Okay, wow, I've got a very special guest on today. On the James Collins Ireland channel, lately I've been getting these Titan guests, and this gentleman here is certainly one of those. He's Dr. E. Michael Jones. He is, is a man who's adroit and perspicacious. I love his conversations. So this is my fellow interlocutor today, and a wonderful author of numerous books, such as Degenerate Moderns, A Libido Dominandi, um, Logos Rising, Etc. I've linked in his website. It's Culture Wars. It's absolute um, must. You have to check it out. And also, you know, purchase some of Michael's books. If, donate to the site, etc. Support what you love. And um, his information is very, you know, facilitative and um, and fantastic. So, uh, good afternoon, uh, Dr. E. Michael Jones, and thank you for coming on. You're welcome. It's good to be here. But just just before, uh, in order to go access the books, you have to go to culturewars.com. Do not use a search engine. Go directly to culturewars.com or fidelitypress.org. You will find the books there. Yeah. And as I said, yeah, well, that's the trouble with, with Gulag. Um, I have to, yeah, 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 you like that. I have the link in the description below the video. So look, after, let's get right into, I suppose, um, after two years of, of well, let's call it spoof 19, it's left here in Ireland a sort of a stupefied populace that's been manipulated by these self-serving ideologues. They've been plagued by propaganda from all the apparatchiks, commissars and marionettes that are here in Ireland. And um, it's rendered, I I think the people sort of unable to trust their own judgment um dr jones is is you're getting some of that over in the over in the usa also yes yes we're, we're in a, a worldwide battle right now and the worldwide battle is against representative government yes. uh so ireland ireland came uh, late to this operation you could say that america came first uh let's say 1776 the revolution against England, the first group to break, basically break away from the British Empire. Uh, Ireland was a colony during this period of time and underwent horrible, horrible tribulations, the worst of which was the Great Famine of 1846-47, uh, which, if you read about it, never ended. It didn't end. It just got a little bit better. Okay, people were, were still starving. They weren't starving to death. And so over this period of time, uh, you had the rise of representative government. You had the, the revolutions in uh, in Europe at this time. And you uh, it, it arrived in 1919, 1921, this period of time when the Irish rose up during the war and basically achieved independence. Now, they should have listened to Ben Franklin uh, because he knew what was going on. He, uh, he was uh, leaving um, uh, Independence Hall where they had just signed... Uh, the Declaration of Independence. He was talking about the the, uh, the form of government. And someone said, well, what kind of form of a government are we going to have? And he said, a republic, if you can keep it. Well, everyone should have paid attention to the second part of what he said, because it's not simply enough to overthrow uh, a, a colonial power. You have to establish some type of firm basis for your own government. And those founding fathers we're smart enough to know what it was. John Adams said, we have no constitution that functions in the absence of a moral people. If you want to establish a republic, if you want to keep the republic, you have to have a moral people. Yes. Because you can't, if, if you can't govern yourself, 
you can't govern the country. If you can't yes. control your passions, you mm. can't control the population or allow the population to control itself. And that was the key factor. It was the Achilles heel of representative government. And so the, the crucial period then took place after World War II, uh, when the uh, basically the main opposition to the Anglo-American empire, namely Germany, was conquered and a ruthless form of social engineering was imposed upon them. It was so successful that it got extrapolated to the entire world, including Ireland. Yes, and as quite rightly you said, it came a little bit later here to Ireland. You know, I'm a relatively young man, but I can remember a time that just a couple of decades ago, there was there was more stoicism uh, here, Michael. There would have been more uh, philosophical people that you would come in contact with. But um, now it's just this, this rise of, of impuissance. Um, it seems with... Um, with the with the convict narrative as well, you can see that it sort of left people. They they fell for the beguiling media, and um, even to approach them or have a conversation. Um, throughout the last two years, you get a sort of a, a splenetic uh, response, and it's left a beaten and demoralized people. That uh, they, it seems like government this arrogation is actually welcomed. Each. So this this idea of the fighting Irish, I'm not going to say it's extinct or mythical, but it's a very, very small portion of the population. And indeed, we can see this sort of worldwide. But I believe the huge aspect of this is demoralization. Um, yes. And this, yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. So it, it didn't happen overnight. It happened step by step. Yes. So if you were to ask me how I could have written uh my latest book, which is The Dangers of Beauty, uh, The Conflict Between Mimesis and Concupiscence in the Fine Arts, right. I would tell you the only way I could write that book was writing the book before that book, mm. which was Logos Rising. And the only way I could write Logos Rising was writing the book before that, which was the Jewish Revolutionary Spirit, which I had to use the term Logos for. And it goes all the way back. Well, the same thing is, hap is true in a negative sense as well. So the only reason that COVID could succeed as a form of control, as a form of medical control, was because of what went before it. And one of the main things that went before it was abortion. Yeah. Okay. If you accept abortion as medicine, you're on your way to being controlled. Yeah. Uh, and uh, for some strange reason, the Irish... Uh, approved abortion, a, a, a completely suicidal act, an act of genocide which they imposed upon themselves by basically killing future generations. Now, this has happened across the board. So you're, you're, you're right. It's not, you, Ireland is not unique. It's just you came late to the game. That's all. So I was, I was contacted by another, <laughs> another penal colony, by a penal colony which is familiar to all of the Irish, and it's called Australia. So, so you stole Trevelyan's corn so the young might see the moor, and now the prison ship is waiting in the bay, and it was full of Irishmen, and they all ended up in Australia, and it was in uh, the, uh, the quiet man. I forget who says this, but someone says, yes, his father ended up in, a, in Australia in a penal colony, and his uncle was a good man, too. 
So we had this we had this sense of the Irish Catholics being shipped off to Australia and they were put in a colony and they knew they were prisoners. Well, yeah. their descendants were still in the colony and they didn't know they were prisoners anymore. They locked themselves in their own cells every night. It was a voluntary penal colony. So why, why am I bringing this up? The uh, people in Australia wanted me to come down because they wanted me to fight gay marriage. That was the referendum in Australia. So I said, sure, I'll do it. I'll do it. And on top of that, I'll give you a formula for succeeding because this is what happened in Poland. Because I was invited to Poland. Libido yes. Dominandi, one of my books, uh, Libido Dominandi, Sexual Liberation and Political Control, have been translated into Polish. And I was brought there to do a book tour. Poland is like Ireland. It's a Catholic country yeah. that has been basically colonized by other people for a long time. And now, around the same time, Poland became independent as, as Ireland did. So there are a lot of similarities here. Yeah. So um, I, I arrive in, in Warsaw, and I'm heading for my first venue. And the publisher's in the front seat, and the phone is ringing every two minutes saying, cancel, cancel the book tour. There are going to be huge demonstrations in Wrocław tomorrow. Jones is an anti-Semite. Yeah. It was on in the papers. It's in the papers. Cancel the tour. So I got there. I went into the cathedral in Warsaw. I said a prayer, and I came out, and there was the chancellor of the archdiocese, and he said, don't worry. We're going to support you. So I walked into the hall. The hall was packed. It was full of people. I gave my talk. The, the people got in line. The line went all the way out of the hallway, out onto the street of people with the Polish translation of Libido Dominani, bring it up to me to sign it. And a, wow. lot of, a lot of these people were young couples. And they mm -hmm. said, we understand your message. We understand that sexual liberation is a form of control, and we're not going to go along with it. We're going to get married, and we're going to have children. Now, I said to the Australians, if we do this, in other words, if I come with a book and I have the backing of the Catholic Church, we, we have a chance of succeeding here. Because after that happened, I was, I was in Argentina and got a, 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 an email from a man who said, between your book and the Polish bishop statement, you beat gay marriage yeah. in Poland. You defeated them. Well, uh, so they, they put, hooked me up with a Skype call with the bishop. And I'm trying to explain to him what I just said to you. Okay, we can do this, but I need the support of the church. He gets off the, the, the he doesn't say anything to me, just agrees with me the whole time. As soon as he gets off, he, refer, he calls somebody up and says, this guy's an anti-Semite, we're not mm -hmm. having him. Well, guess what? The gay marriage referendum passed in Australia. Yeah. Because they they're a penal colony, they're still a penal colony, except they lock themselves in their cells at night. They don't have the 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 guards to do it anymore. They do it to themselves, and so that's what I'm saying. Because you failed on that back there, you're going to fail on this. And so what was the because they deliberately allowed gay marriage? They had a horrible COVID lockdown. I don't know whether you saw the stories, yeah. but people beating up, uh, you know, grandmas on the street, people busting into your home because they were uh, monitoring your Internet conversation. This was outrageous, an outrageous form of tyranny, which is 
basically the hidden grammar of COVID. It wasn't yes. medicine. It was it was social engineering. It was an attack on the world's population. And it's a sort of yeah, we've this this what happens, and it, this was like you could call it biofascism, but we have seen it before. Your constitution, your human rights are suspended, okay, and that was the case. It's pretty much. Um, it, you know this individual, you've spoken him already. Um, he comes on my show quite regularly. It'd be the great John Waters here in Ireland. Right, He's right. taken an action with his colleague. And basically what that boils down to is Bunrock Naheran is the Irish constitution. Does it actually mean anything anymore? You know, just because they say that about a sniffles is around the place. But it's more than that. And just to um, sort of shed a bit of light on Ireland and how we've been sort of systematically uh, oppressed and prepped, you know, for what's actually taking place at the moment. You can get back to all the um, uh, constitutional changes, all the um, referendum, all the votes. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. The, like the, the, the a ban on abortion was explicitly in yeah. the Irish Constitution, yes. and yeah. they overturned their own protection. Yeah. <laughs> this was yeah. crazy. What were they yeah. thinking? They weren't thinking. I've talked to John Waters. He was here, you know, yeah. at uh, Notre Dame. Uh, yeah. We had a nice conversation. Uh, yeah. I reviewed his book. Which I yes. I get the t I always get the title wrong, but something like "Give us our bad roads back" or something yes, like that. Yeah, give us back the bad roads. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You got yeah. it. You pretty much got it there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he he's a man who understands understands yeah. what's going on, uh, but uh, that that's that's the problem here. That's the problem here. You you everything that's happening today is a result of what happened yesterday, and until you wake up. Every tomorrow is going to be a repeat of yesterday yeah. until well, you possibly, wake up. Possibly even worse. That's the whole idea. The grip tightens, doesn't it? Because the jackboot comes down that little bit firmer every time. It systematically drops down on the people. Um, yeah, and another wonderful conversations that you've had uh, with another uh, content creator here in Ireland would be Dave Cullen, a.k.a. Computing Forever. And um, yeah. I, I enjoyed them also. But like, if we go back, let's date it back even as far back as, let's say... Well, you could go before that. We had the divorce referendum here was they 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 put it to the people in 1986. OK, so it was dismissed. People didn't want it. They were happy, you know, with keeping no. I divorce, remember right? I remember yeah. this. Yeah. yeah. And they brought it back then again. Ten years later, of course, it was brought through. But I think the real uh, a lot of deleterious um, uh, actions uh, that have been taken come from the EU or should I say the European Communist Union, the ECU, let's say, um, which isn't there a quote about it? Say, um, oh, is the 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 EU is the oh is the new Soviet Union dressed in Western clothes? That was um, who said that again? Oh, yeah. Well, anyway, so it turns out that he's um, quite uh, accurate, quite prescient because let's say I would say the treaties here in Ireland. If we go back to the Maastricht Treaty, now they're all about the more consolidation of power, giving it away. Um, it's a jurisdiction, okay, um, and sovereignty as well. It's given it up to the EU, to the European Parliament. So it really started off with the Maastricht um, Treaty in 1992, and that was followed on then. Um, and, of course, that's tied into Agenda Féhéin, we'll call it, which was that very same year in Rio de Janeiro um, was voted in by 179 nations. So it just shows that's that's that's, um, you know, that's 30 years ago now this year with with Agenda Féhéin. And um, 
Then you had, of course, the Amsterdam Treaty, which was basically, that was really heavily linked into mass uncontrolled immigration, um, voted on in 97, ratified in 99. And that's when we started to see here dramatic change, Dr. Jones, um, with, let's say, a lot of new to the parish. A lot of our friends from Africa started coming over here, uh, pushing prams around the place. So shortly after that, you have... Um, you have the Nice, and Nice was a massive consolidation of power where they added in 10 new member states. Poland was one of those. So a lot of these um, these countries were actually added in massive consolidation of power. And then, of course, then we had the Lisbon Treaty, which we actually were told to go back and vote again. And that should have been the point that people realized, hang on, this, this isn't a democracy. And this EU is essentially like a mafia. It's, a, it's the old mafia saying is, once I thought I was out, they pull me back in <laughs> right 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 you can't resign from the mafia uh, so yeah this is you're you're right you're right and as as i understand it there were two other things that were crucial first of all the arrival of uh usury uh all of this money being lent at the time of the celtic tiger and apparently the irish didn't know they had to pay back loans so, <laughs> so they were borrowing money to go on vacation to mallorca yeah. <laughs> That's a bad idea, fellas. Bad idea. Yeah, yeah. So the last time I was in uh, Dublin or, or driving around Ireland, there are all these half-built houses. Well, what happened there? Well, they ran out of money. They called in the loans, and the stupid. I'm. I, I look. I'm half Irish. Okay, so I can. Yeah. I can half insult you. All right. <laughs> uh, the, the other. The other half is German. So what did the what did the uh, stupid Irish do? They they made the government pay off the bad debts. Instead of letting all those lenders fail, they said, oh, the yeah. government will make you whole. Should now, what they done. should have yeah. done, what they yeah. should have done is what the people in Iceland did. Yes. Burn the bondholders. That's right. Yeah. Uh, there's only one letter difference between Iceland and Ireland. And yeah. most of the Icelanders uh, have Irish DNA. Because all those Vikings used to come down and pick up all those attractive women and sail yeah. back to Iceland with them. But yeah. uh, apparently the DNA <laughs> transferred consciousness up to Iceland because they stiffed the bankers. Yeah. They said, look, wh what are you talking about? We didn't let the guy is right down the street. He's the one who borrowed the money. You, you talk to him. He owns the bank. You talk to him. Don't ask us for the money. Don't ask us to pay back these billions of dollars. What are we going to do it with? Cod? That's what yeah. we have here. Cod. That's yeah. it. How many cod is it going to take to build up that pay back that loan? So they didn't do it. And you you always the fundamental rule is if you ever have a chance, stiff the bankers. Yeah. Because they will forgive you because they have to lend you money again. Yes. What you should do is stiff them permanently and not allow bankers into your country and just have a state bank on Catholic principles. Uh which you can read about in my book, Barren Metal, which is a history of capitalism as the conflict between labor and usury. So between the two of the things, you have, you have uh, sodomy and you have usury. And this is the one-two punch that can knock out any nation on the face of the earth. I'm talking now about the United States, okay, as if there's some monolith. It's not monolithic here. We have rulers here. And yes. we have the rules here. And, and if you want to talk about a lost generation, talk about the generation of people in their 20s now. One of yes. the main people buying my book, Lapito Dominandi, by the way. 
but uh, they've been raised on pornography. Yeah. And then they get up and they get to college age and they go into debt to get an education. And this is a fatal combination because it's preventing them from forming families, which is what you do. It's the most important thing you do when you're in your 20s. Yes. And you said fatal. And it also leaves them with a fatalistic attitude towards life, um, Dr. Jones, because, yeah, so many, so little is, is, is self-learned, so little. They, they, they have virtually no autodidactic impulses anymore. You know, they follow this, what they believe the, the avant-garde is, you know, but you can see there, even the communication there, I call a phone a, a brain rot box, right? So it, it renders them uh, the rise of solipsism. And, um, you know, I spoke about it, but also it limits, you know, their communicational skills. They lead a desultory lifetime, lifestyle. They're up in their bedrooms you know they're on right. technology right yeah right what am i what what i when i visited my great aunt in balahadrine in the 1970s oh, wonderful ross Collin. yes yeah uh, I, I we said you know she lived in a cottage uh no no plumbing okay but she had a television she and my great uncle had a television which oh. is a, a bad sign, bad sign. Uh, an, another bad sign their two sons neither one was married uh because uh, no one wanted to marry a farmer an irish farmer so one had to go to london the other one's there was kind of tending the farm i had just come from germany where i was teaching at the time and those farms looked a lot different than irish farms i can tell you that right now so what was the big difference, I said, you know, expecting like plumbing, television, whatever it is. She said we had more people back then. Yeah. And the people who were here, they got together for Kaylee. So they knew how to dance. Yeah. That was the difference. Now, that was in the 1970s. Believe me, it was much better then than it is now. You didn't have things like cell phones that led to this. What You're right. The word is solipsism. You yeah. are completely absorbed in yourself. You, yes. you are you are in this self-created prison, this bubble of, and you can't break out in the most fundamental way. And the fund, most fundamental way is by approaching a member of the opposite sex. Yes. And engaging in a conversation that may lead to something really productive, like getting married and having children. This is all yeah. gone. You know, absolutely fantastic points. You know, I totally agree as well. And, and that's it. They're sort of sheltered, you see, now with the brain rot box. You know, they can focus on that. But also as well, how it changed people were they could they could spot these bet noirs, these persona non gratas, um, these marionettes, etc. They Because, you know, people had a healthy cynicism towards politicians, which it seems to have actually evaporated now. Now you... Um, like and a perfect example was really at the start of 2020 you had they just they spoke out um, and then whatever they said it seemed to be you don't question it was tacit it was axiomatic and um, they just followed on and i really left myself i, I was i was looking around and you, generally you just spot people on their phones in a state of absent-mindedness and the other ones that didn't were in like um if you went to approach them or ask them what do you think or why you got i, I noticed they they were in a sclerotic state they were like rigid and unresponsive and um, they really they weren't armed anymore dr jones with being able to answer and that's why i'm saying the communicational skills it's all just perfunctory now they you know they they don't have it there's where's that energy right talk to right. some people these days i'll just say that the lights look on but you know what there's nobody at home that's right 
That's right. So what what do you what do you, what what are you talking about? You're talking about a contact between the mind and the thing. Yes. What's going on out there? You are so yes. encapsulated in your lust yes. and in your your own little world. There's you don't even know you're being manipulated by these or, people. Or another word to use is out here, concupiscence. <laughs> right, concupiscence. And though yeah. the smart people, the people who run Google, uh, know about this. And that's why, uh, you know, I, first of all, just yesterday, I got an email from a guy who's on Twitter, and he got banned because he said the word libtard. So yeah. like liberal retard, libtard. Yeah. Okay, yeah. but... At the same time, he's getting banned. A senator, Lindsey Graham, from the state of South Carolina, used Twitter to advocate the assassination of Vladimir Putin. And that's OK. Yeah. This is outrageous. This is an outrageous perversion of the ability to engage in rational discourse and rational behavior. And is it's truth, all been imposed on us by this yeah. by this technology. Yes. Is truth decided by the powerful? This, this modern version of truth in the new abnormal, it seems to be. And because you, that's right, the, the lever. And it's also it's also arbitrary as well. You know, you can say this one day, you can't. They're constantly moving and around. We saw that with, with, um, with spoof 19, let's call it, which is a word, ironically, that's what we're talking about, is verboten online. You know, it's enough actually right. to take down right. something, you know. So, um, Right. Who knew you could get canceled for trying to talk about a, a disease that was, uh, you know, and talking about medicine? But it, that's it. Once it's ha what happened yesterday, like what happened uh, in 2021, 2020 with COVID was preceded by the whole hate speech campaign on uh, getting banned, people banned uh, from the Internet. Yeah. And, and so if, you, yeah. if that didn't get your attention, yeah. well, then COVID probably got your attention. Yeah. And that, I, I'm saying that's precisely what happened in a place like Canada, for example. Another yes. colony, another colony that really never broke away from England uh, and was compounded uh, by the disunity of the French. The, the French and the English could never. It was just a, a problem from the beginning. OK, yeah. it's a huge country. Yeah. Oh, yes. Unlike, it's, unlike it's, Ireland, yeah. it's huge. And there's yeah. a very small population there compared to the yeah. landmass. It's a very yeah. sparsely populated it's country. Sparsely populated. Absolutely. And the, result, the result is basically you can go off and be on your own. And they had this kind of docile, uh, a kind of docile Canadian personality. There were the, the joke. They're very polite. The joke was if you step on a Canadian's foot, he says, I'm sorry. This yeah. is the joke. OK. And suddenly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The Canadian people woke up and they had this huge uh, uh, rise in consciousness because of COVID. And they had that big trucker rally and all these truckers and they all end up in Ottawa. And the great thing that happened was that suddenly realized that Justin Trudeau hates the Canadian people. Yes. He's not working. He doesn't represent the Canadian people. I said at the beginning, this is about representative government. Well, that became obvious obvious that at the same time the truckers are talking they're trying to in ottawa trying to talk to the premier about this covid thing suddenly a, a, a video from uh, klaus schwab oh. uh the head of the world economic yeah. forum suddenly the video surfaces and there he's saying yes we young global leaders we have appointed many of them uh macron Angela merkel and justin trudeau well now who now we know who you're working for justin yeah. 
but if we didn't know that before, what did he do? Has to demonize his own people. So you know what he said? He said they're all white supremacists and Nazis. It probably paid. Some guy showed up with a Nazi flag as if that's representative of anything. He was probably paid by the Canadian Secret Service to do this. And suddenly now Justin Trudeau is demonizing his own people. Yeah. Oh, wait a minute. This is overkill, fellas. Yes. There. So at this point, the uh, the minister of finance starts freezing bank accounts. Yeah. We're going to ruin you financially. This is capital punishment for a parking fine, a parking ticket. Yeah. You parked your truck in the wrong place, and now we're going to take you out and shoot you. Yeah. Well, this is the consciousness reached a point. I don't know what's going to happen next in Canada, but yeah. I know there are a lot more people who understand where Justin Trudeau's allegiances lie than before this happened. Well, you know, this is why you have a lot of these distractions. I mean, they kept on bringing out these scariants. I was waiting for the, uh, after the moronic scariant, uh, I was waiting for the, the next one to be the look over there scariant. <laughs> but um, this is it. We know now in, in a lot of places, say, for instance, you mentioned the, the WEF and, and Egdolf, Egdolf uh, Klaus. Um, also are here in Ireland, we have the Dandy Gandhi. He was also one of these young leaders as well. Was and this Vat Vatikar? Was that Vatikar? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was yeah. anointed too. Veruca, Veruca, I think they pronounce it. <laughs> but um, yeah, and he's supposed to go back into the position of prime minister slash Taoiseach. You know, so this is it. We're at a stage now where where public debate is outlawed. Um, it, they had an amazing response from the Canadian people, but of course they need to continue it on um, and get momentum. Um, and this is why you have all of these scares, these, these look over there. Um, I spoke about it in, its, in another stream lately. We believe that, you know, with the, with the um, uh, there's so many landmines in the public consciousness, of course, but they really, the way it goes with the Mockingbird media, they you can see that they introduce uh, one certain narrative, one agenda, and that's all prevailing, okay? And they just flood it. The propaganda is ineluctable. So what we saw is up until maybe two weeks ago, uh, everybody was spoof 19. We were talking even to the point that it was going to be mandatory injectorinos, we'll say that word, and then suddenly, just like that, um, we had over in the UK, the potato with a wig said that all restrictions are being lifted. Right. And he then, a genius, a political genius who understood that he's on his way out and he took the political power back into his own hands, simply yes. out of self-interest and yes. destroyed the COVID narrative uh, in England. I believe that actually is the case as well, because a lot of people were wondering why, why, why? And they think that they're all being controlled. But I think that that was a decision of self-preservation. I think I, so, too. Yes. Yeah. I don't think this is not the oligarch. This is the anti-oligarch. This is, you're right, it's self-preservation, political, yeah. uh, 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 political decision uh, because his life is at stake. Yeah. So... Do you know what I'd like to, we can go back into that, but I'd like to mention, again, I, I have to, if culture wars, um, if you haven't come across it, loads of the viewers, I can see you're getting loads of wonderful compliments, um, uh, Dr. Jones, with people saying, you know, he's absolutely fantastic guest, really interesting man, etc. So a lot of these people will be um, privy to the work that you do, they'll be, but if not, there might be other people checking out for the first time. It's, of course, culture wars, and uh, you put up an article recently, 
recently I thought it was fantastic. Now it's a German, so let's get it. It's a it's a Sonnet uh, Macht Frei, which uh, means uh, I hope I didn't butcher that. <laughs> you Sonnet. did. You Sonnet. did. <laughs> uh, let's go again. So okay. Sonnet Macht Frei. Schönheit. Which of course means beauty sets you free. Right, but it's also a reference. What's the reference to? What's what? Where is that gate? What does the gate? Uh, oh, uh, Auschwitz. Auschwitz. What's it say in Auschwitz? It says Arbeit macht frei. Okay. Arbeit macht frei. So this is my uh, attempt to uh, deal with the Holocaust narrative because yeah. if you don't understand the Holocaust narrative, you cannot understand what is going on right now. This yeah. was the narrative that was put in place after World War II. It is the the epic, the epic poem of the American empire. So it is to the American empire what the Aeneid was to Rome. You know, yes. this is the justification. Yeah. And this is exactly what happened in, in, in Canada. What's, what is what is Trudeau talking about? Nazis, they've never existed in Canada. It's pre preposterous. Uh, but the, I'll tell you how it got used because this um, member of parliament, uh, a lady by the name of Sachs, she stood up there and she, this is COVID, the truckers are out there. She says, uh, I am Jewish. Yeah. I have relatives who died in the Holocaust and these people are Nazis and honk honk means Heil Hitler. Yeah, rubbish. Yeah. Honk honk means Heil Hitler. Who knew? Yeah. Who knew? Thank you. I, what I'm trying to say, point I'm trying to make here is you cannot talk to people like this. Yeah. Yeah. You cannot have a dialogue with people like this. You can, Why is this person in represented a, a, a position yes. in parliament? How can she represent anyone? Mm or anything other than the phantasms of her own mind. Yes. This is a pure phantasm, paranoid yes. fantasy. Playing, playing, of course, the victim, and they do this. This is the sort of precursory steps as well to is making sure it's laying out a stall that they, you're right, they cannot be questioned or queried. Um, and uh, and, and that, that's that is the role of the Holocaust narrative. Yeah, it is to derail every conversation that the oligarchs don't like. You don't have to yeah. be Jewish. Everybody uses it. Whenever yeah. there's a discussion, you're going to bring in the Holocaust narrative. It's yeah. like uh, uh, Robert Kennedy, God bless him, uh, who is fighting a valiant fight against vaccines, uh, says. The us, let's say. Where? Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. We're just on the old YT. <laughs> he, he, he mentions Anne Frank. Why did you mention that? What's that got to do with this? Well, he, because he's like everyone else. He's, he lives within this narrative and everything has to relate to this narrative uh, in order to make moral sense out of anything. This is crazy. And it's part of the, the mind forged manacles that have been imposed on the entire world or let's put it more importantly, have been imposed on the Catholic Church which is yeah. serious, which is serious. Yeah. It's had a crippling effect on the Catholic Church. Of course I, 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 I just, just one example. I met Dermot Martin when I was going to Rome in the 1980s. He was a, an assistant to Cardinal Gagnon, a fearless, absolutely fearless French-Canadian uh, who was head of the congregation for the family, and they were heavily involved in all of the battles that should have been fought and won back in the 80s. And because they were lost back then, we're, we're in deep trouble right now. 
I don't know what happened to I don't know what happened to this man. I could have a conversation with him. Uh, why he would say that when the people are asking him for advice uh, on the gay I believe it was gay marriage, the gay marriage referendum. He said he's yeah. not going to he's not going to impose his views. Well, your job is to impose your views, fella. That's why you're cardinal. That's why you're primate of Ireland. Yeah. So I, I, don't, I don't understand. I haven't talked to him in years. I don't understand what happened. But something serious, something seriously serious went wrong in Ireland during this period of time. And it had to do with the Catholic Church. Well, I, I think a lot of it is actually they were never genuine. A lot of these individuals are just pathological liars and they'll say whatever, whatever's, you know, fresh on the day to get to the next stage. They cannot be trusted. But um yeah, just in your little. So beauty sets you free. That was your uh, effort at, at Paranamasia, uh, your play on words. And right. I mean it, uh, so to wreck your culture, actually, here's another one that I might trip over, but I believe it's a, it's a tikkun olam, okay? Which, interestingly enough, means you're saying it's to wreck your culture. But if you go on to Gulag, right, it says that what it means, it's actually to repair the world. Right. Uh, <laughs> right. So. That's what the, the, the Jews will tell you it means to repair the world. But then we have to translate this into actual practice. So yeah. let's go. There's a magazine called Tikkun, Jewish magazine. It's obviously taken from Tikkun Olam. This is obviously the operating system in the mind of the Jews right now. And so Amy Dean uh, in, in that magazine says that if it weren't for uh, that we have gay marriage, the gay marriage decision, it was imposed on us by the Supreme Court. But that uh, Obergefell decision uh, be happened because the Jews were behind gay marriage. Mm. Well, wait a minute. You're saying she obviously considers gay marriage a form of tikkun olam. So what this means is that their idea of healing the world is what we would say is destroying the world. Uh, mm. If by the world you mean the moral order, uh, you mean families, male and female, uniting to produce offspring as the basis for a stable society. These are revolutionaries, and their idea of restoring order is basically destroying our order and imposing their order, their totalitarian order, on all of us. Yeah. Yeah. One of the uh, one of the, the marionettes involved, you were saying, was a, a Spektorsky. He wrote a book, The um, Exurbanites. Um, you put up a picture on it. By the way, he's the absolute head off Jim Carrey. And um, he was involved then in, um, he was writing, he was one of the editors then for Playboy. Now, of course, any of the, um, any of the uh, locubations were not written on behalf of, um, of, of course, Hefner. You know, he would have been, because he would have been just a, a, a Shabbos guy. He was like a, a front guy. But it, all behind this, of course, they're plotting. This is, of course, moral subversion and um, to gain social control. Right. Yeah, right. absolutely. Absolutely. So Playboy came into existence at the same time that the CIA was funding uh, other magazines. Encounter, uh, I think I think National Review, the conservative magazine. Buckley was a member of the CIA. As you said before, you don't retire from the CIA. It's like the mafia. You don't retire. <laughs> and I think this was, was uh, his way of basically taking control of the conservative movement. Okay, so Hefner is bringing the same thing in. He uh, says he's uh, basically supporting K, 
Kinsey, it's, this is the implementation of Kinsey's scientific studies, which yeah. were having a devastating effect on Germany at the same time. Magazines in Germany were the vehicle for sexual subversion. Absolutely. And in order to get a license, you had to have a license to publish a magazine in Germany. To get that license, you had to go to a Jew by the name of David Mordecai Levy, Jewish psychiatrist from New York, and lie down and tell him how guilty you felt because your father was in something or other. Yeah. That's the time period that we're talking about. Uh, and so Hefner arrives on the scene. Well, he's a Methodist from Chicago. Oh, well, what does that mean? It means absolutely nothing because everybody under Hefner was a Jew from New York City or someplace like that. And they were the brains behind the operation. And this didn't come out until years later. Now, it's relevant now because now there's a new play. Uh, uh, what is it? It's some documentary. I forget which channel it's on. Uh, but anyway, uh, Secrets of the Playboy Mansion. Right, because because uh, this uh, Kinsey character was a well-known, of course, was he he was he was a homosexual but he was also known he didn't really have any proper qualifications either he was funded by the rockefeller foundation but he, his real um gain of power he was a notorious blackmailer um wasn't he you wrote that he was uh, he um was linked up to um speaking was he releasing some information even about j edgar hoover um, at the time, who was no, actually no, no, right. no. It's, it goes, it goes like this. Basically, yes, he was a blackmailer. Now, what yeah. was the vehicle for blackmail? In order, if you were a reporter, anybody who wanted to make contact with Kinsey, the first thing you had to do was give your sex history. Well, yeah. wait a minute, wait a minute. What do you mean? I, I thought this was reserved for the confessional here. No, no, yeah. Kinsey's the new confessional, and yeah. he takes it all down and he keeps these files. Yeah. <clears throat> that means <clears throat> if I'm a journalist and I say something that Kinsey doesn't like, well, yeah. guess what happens? There's yeah. a news story on me and yeah. on certain mm -hmm. on this, uh, this day in 1942, I had uh, sexual relations with a woman who wasn't my wife. Yeah. That wrecks my career. That's what I'm saying by blackmail. Yes. But J. Edgar Hoover did want actually access to those files because right. possibly because he felt there was incriminating information about him. It could have been. That could have been. Yeah. Or it's simply. But so the, he, uh, uh, Kinsey is not the only blackmailer. Hoover, J. Edgar Hoover was a notorious blackmailer. Everybody in Washington knew that the FBI was there to keep files on every single politician. And if any politician ever threatened to cut off funding for uh, the FBI, Hoover would release information and the press would go along with it. So Hoover now, he's, he's been around for a long time. He made his uh, career at the, during the Red Scare of 1921. And now it's 1951 and he says, oh, there's Kinsey. He recognizes a fellow blackmailer. And so he goes after Kinsey. The FBI showed up at Kinsey's door because they knew Kinsey was breaking the law. He was breaking the law left and right. Uh, first of all, because homosexuality, you're right, he, uh, Kinsey was a homosexual. No one knew that. Time magazine put him on the cover, I think, in 1951 and told he was basically a Boy Scout with his crew cut and bow tie. You know, a Boy Scout. No, no, he was a homosexual who wasn't interested in women at all. He wasn't interested in the book on female sexuality at all. It was kind of an afterthought. And so he was, a sodomy was a crime. And he's engaging in this type of uh, uh, activity. 
He's documenting this type of activity. And also, it turns out that the late uh, Judith Reisman, who's brought this up, uh, there's all this documentation of uh, sexual molestation of children in the Kinsey report. Well, wait a minute. Where'd you get that? Isn't that criminal activity? Uh, who was engaged in this criminal activity? She brings it up after the fact. Uh, Kinsey's probably dead 30 years by the time she brings it up. First one to bring it up. And suddenly we start to see cracks form in this uh, illusion that was created by Time magazine, which was the propaganda ministry of the CIA at that point, that he was a Boy Scout. No, he was a Boy Scout, but he was a pervert Boy Scout. Uh, and there are plenty of them in the Boy Scouts, by the way. So Kinsey, so Hoover moves on Kinsey. And basically says, uh, we want your files. Kinsey, I will die. Before, well, wait a minute. I'm not going to go to jail. So basically they hand the files over to J. Edgar Hoover. Okay. A blatant, a blatant violation of everything they told uh, you when you gave your sex history to this Kinsey. No one will ever find out. No, that's ridiculous. It was always going to be used uh, against you. And so at this point, Kinsey becomes unhinged. Uh, I read the uh, files. Uh, you're right. The Rockefellers were supporting him. I went to the Rockefeller archives. And there's con big conversations there at board meetings. What are we going to do about Kinsey? Mm. He's going off the rails. He's threatening to reveal his files because he thinks we're going to cut his funding. He was a liability. It was Dean Rusk who was head. He became Kennedy's secretary of state. It was basically pulled the plug on Kinsey. And Kinsey is now deranged. And, oh, wait a minute. He's in the hospital now. Oh, oh, wait a minute. He died in the hospital. Mm. He's 56 years old. Well, that's kind of odd, isn't it? Well, I look, I don't have any proof of this. This is speculation on my part. But I think he was killed in the hospital to get rid of him because the elite who they created a Frankenstein monster who was going to turn on them and basically start telling, oh, Dean Rusk, yeah, on February 2nd, he had sex in the men's room with three guys. That, that's, that's made up on my part. I'm just saying this is a type of yeah, speculation, yeah, yeah. this type of the fear that was haunting the ruling class at this moment, and it gave them a motive to bump Kinsey off in the hospital. Wow. You know, very interesting. Look, it, I suppose where we are at the moment, we've had so many sort of scams that are running. So from 2020, 2021, um, pretty much as we were talking about at the start of 22, now we're now we're over into, um, you know, Russia, Russia, Russia. What's left? What's there? I would like to talk about going back, how people are hoodwinked. And this could be a good... Um, a good angle there to come in would, would be Aristotle's um, modes of persuasion. Okay, so how we also know as we spoke about it, I said um, amphibology is a play on words. We know sophistry, all these these styles, uh, public debate is shut down. Um, and even if it is, it's only a, a pretend, a perceived notion that public debate is actually taking place on TV. We know their tricks as well. You you throw in a red herring or attacking the straw man and people believe, oh, we'll say a counter narrative was actually mentioned and it was discussed. You can see that. So all these tricks of the trade and they really date back to i, I believe aristotle's uh, modes um of persuasion and most notably the use of pathos and ethos and um, so oof, look at 
which leads me on sort of the point that I think that it's such a cancerous system, right, that we need a, a tabula rasa. Say, for instance, here in Ireland, I now believe that every every office that's held, that's occupied, every administration, Dr. Jones, every department, um, it's completely corrupted. So, you know, John Locke, I know, was a proponent of it. I believe moving forward, how are we going to get there? How are we going to get to a tabula rasa, a total clean slate? Okay, first of all, I would beg to differ with you, but I'm going to disagree. I think the crucial text is not Aristotle's rhetoric. The crucial text is Plato's Republic, and it's the allegory of the cave. Yes. Uh, and and uh, uh, basically what you're saying here is a, a, a technology that is so sophisticated and so intrusive that we have never experienced power like this to basically engineer consent and brainwash people, never in the history of the human race. But the battle, once you say that, what you're talking about is the battle is for consciousness. Oh. The battle, the, the the, and so in many ways, their hold on uh, the world is fragile because you can, ch I can, you can change consciousness like that. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not saying it's easy to do that, but, but I, th I think I've changed consciousness because I get letters from people who are telling me that they read the book and suddenly they see the world as a, in, in a different way. So yeah. what we're doing, what we're doing here right now is exactly what needs to be done. Yeah. All, all we have to do is transpose. Yes. Part, part, of, part of what we're seeing right now is two different forms of warfare. Okay, the Russians have occupied the eastern Ukraine militarily. They are basically securing their sphere of influence. There's nothing NATO is going to do to stop it. It's a fait accompli for the most part. But on the other hand, there's an information war. That's the yeah. next generation. Yeah. And the Americans are winning that hand down, hands down. They, uh, I'm not just the Americans, the English. The British newspapers are atrocious. Yeah. They make they make American newspapers look dignified by comparison. The absolute rubbish and propaganda that's coming out of England is appalling. But does that mean it's going to work? No, I don't think it's going to work because I think we're seeing the rise of consciousness. What we're doing right now is more powerful than 100 newspapers because it's based on the truth. Yes. And neither of us has an agenda here. All we're trying to and what we're saying corresponds to reality that's yeah. the difference here we've yes. mentioned solipsism before well if there's yes. ever an example of solipsism it's the mainstream media in the united states and the western world it is one big echo chamber that doesn't penetrate to reality what is what did aquinas say what is the truth the truth is the correspondence between the mind and the thing mm. If you make that connection, so what we have is the media, uh, an echo chamber. All they're doing is talking about each other's fantasies. If you make contact with reality, you will be unshakable. And that will make an effect, that will have an effect on everyone you talk to. And that will spread. That will spread. Now, the main obstacle to that spread is going to be your mind. And if you're... Uh, 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 a chronic uh, uh, watcher of pornography yeah. engaged in solitary sexual activity, your mind will be darkened 
and yeah. you won't be able to understand reality. And it will be con- you'll be constantly like walking around in the dark, bumping into sharp objects that you didn't see and wondering, why does my leg hurt? What was that? I didn't see that because you are not in contact with reality. The mind has to make contact with the thing. And that's yeah. truth. And that's what's going to set us free. You know, and it, there, there's actually a word for that. Another one. It's on air ataxia. Okay, it's the inability to actually decipher between reality and and fantasy. Right. And, uh, yeah. Right. A lady who tells you that Hong Kong means Heil Hitler is not in contact yeah. with reality. That is yeah. not what's going no. on in the streets of Ottawa. You're totally in your own little bubble, and you yeah. can't communicate. Mm. But of course, I think a lot of these, they're, they're just, this is to, uh, this is to agitate. This is to antagonize people. And the idea there, uh, Dr. Jones, is to keep them into a low vibrational state, you know, where they're in fear, where they're anxious, and therefore they're right. easier to control. They're more malleable. Right. And you're Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. So to the Irish people, you are much worse off now than you were in 1846, oh. 1847. Okay, because then you knew you were hungry and you knew who was keeping you from having the food and no one could deny that consciousness. And that consciousness reached fruition in 1919, 1921. Okay, and now you've repudiated, you've turned your back on all of the hard won effort achievements of the people who went before you and you're pissing it away. It's a horrible situation, okay, and you need to repent. But the the good news is you can repent. You don't have to – the church is still there, okay? They still have the sacraments. You have to go back to your Catholic identity because otherwise you're going to die as a slave. Yes. You know – and uh, we're not too far away on the hour. Um, I've really, really in, enjoyed this conversation. Um, and, uh, you know, I'd, I'd love to have you back on again. Um, there's a lot of uh, people there in the crowd. Of course, we have Karen Burns, Fanula Murphy, um, a lot of people singing your praises. Uh, Barb, Christian, Diana, whatever that, uh, Fanula Murphy, um, etc. So a lot of people making great comments, etc. And, um, you know, I, I really enjoyed it. We're coming up upon the hour. I think we covered a lot of wonderful points there. And, uh, you know, just again, awesome there to have you on the show. Anything, anything, maybe look at what for you, I'll ask you a question out of your work. What is your magnum opus? And, and you can and, and maybe like, your greatest your greatest piece of work there. You're, you're, it's like asking me which which of my children is my favorite child. Oh, is it's it a, okay? It's, okay. An unfair, it's an unfair question. I told okay. you before. I could not if I if my latest work is my magnum opus. I could not have written it without writing the book before that and yes. writing the book yeah. before that. So what you're seeing is a progressive rise of consciousness that will save you a lot of trouble because all you have to do is read the book. It took me yes. 30, it took me 40 years before I was able to write the last book. You can read that book in a very short period of time. The Irish are readers or they were readers. They were people yeah. who had a literary consciousness. Well, it's now time to make a re-entry into that consciousness from one of your Someone yeah. who came, who came, whose grandfather came from Cork, yeah. who came Wonderful. to America, who had, because he came to America, his grandson had the opportunity to make contact with the world of ideas, okay? 
That's the way God works in human history. Thank you for the opportunity. Go to culturewars.com. Yeah, look, at uh, absolutely. And I was just about to mention, actually, my second name would actually be Colin. So it's a Cork name, but my parents were born in Cork and our family, our family has, uh, a, you know, a lot of, uh, a big, lot of um, uh, closely connected up with, with the Cork. It's known as the Rebel County. Um, I'm sure, I'm sure you knew that, but, um, and absolutely beautiful also. Look it, um, I really enjoyed this. As I said, we're coming up on the hour and, um, look it, I'd like to have you on again in the future. And um, it was wonderful. And thank you very much for your time and, and God bless. Thank you. Thank you.